0: Happy Father's Day to all of you who are fathers. My own dad, I think, is watching this on live stream this morning. Happy Father's Day, Dad. To those of you who have lost your fathers or have had a traumatic experience with your father, I wanted to let you know that I understand for many of you this is a difficult day. And so for all of us, I would like to direct our thoughts to our Heavenly Father. And I'd like to do that by looking through the lens of one of the key passages of Scripture that describes the role of both children and fathers in the home. And so I encourage you to turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6 this morning where we'll be looking at verses 1 through 4. Now last week in creative, we sang Chris Tomlin's song, You're a Good, Good Father. And the chorus for that song goes like this. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Now there's so much that goes into being a good, good father. Whether we are talking about our heavenly father, or our earthly fathers. But I think Tomlin captures the essence of it in the simplicity of these lyrics that are repeated over and over again in this song. God is a father who is good, and not just good. But Tomlin repeats that word to say that he is a good, good father. It reminds me of another song we used to sing when I was growing up. Maybe you remember this one. God is so good, God is so good, God is so good. He's so good to me. We don't know who wrote that song, but whoever did captured the essence of God in all of his attributes, he is good. There is nothing bad or evil about him. He has no shortcomings or failures. He doesn't make any mistakes, and everything that he does is good. The Bible describes God as being holy and perfect in all his ways, and thus the whole scope and sequence of the Bible is to glorify God and his goodness. James, in chapter 1 and verse 17, tells us that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. David wrote in Psalm 149, 145, 9, the Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. He also wrote in Psalm 34, 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And then we have Jesus' own words recorded for us in Mark chapter 10 and verse 18. No one is good except God alone. As in Tomlin's song, the author of this little chorus applies goodness, God's goodness, to each one of us. God is so good. He's so good to me. Tomlin takes the fact that God is good and says that the effect of God's goodness, as it relates to us, is that he loves us. And this becomes our identity. I'm loved by you. And that is who I am. And so as we come to our passage this morning, It's important for us to look at it through the lenses of who God is as our good heavenly Father and the effect that has on His children. He's good to us, He loves us. And in His love, we find our identity, our security, our acceptance, our value, our worth, our significance. So that no matter what anyone else thinks of us, the fact that our good heavenly father loves us, that is enough. We find our refuge in him as we abide in his love. And Jesus explained that process in John chapter 15, verses 9 through 11, We abide in his love as we obey him. And that's the place where we can find the greatest joy. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So let's read Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 with all of these thoughts in mind and see if we can find here a reflection of God as our good father, even as we are instructed in the biblical roles of being a child and being a father or a parent in the home. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Would you please bow with me for a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, as we come to our text this morning, may your Holy Spirit capture all of our hearts, Draw us to yourself. May we see what you want us to see out of your word this morning. Change us, challenge us, challenge us, convict us, encourage us as we focus on who you are as our Heavenly Father and how we can model that in, in our relationships. I ask this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said. Amen. A good title for these verses are these two words: gospel. Parenting. This is because neither the children described in these verses nor the parents are going to get it right. God is a good, good father, so he doesn't need any instructions. We, however, are born into this world in rebellion against God, and even those of us who have repented of our sins and put our faith and trust. And Jesus, as our Savior, still have a sin nature. And so we, too, wrestle with the basic concept of being good. And our thinking is further warped by the society that we live in as we try to live out our roles according to the Bible, and so we fail. The gospel is for our failures. This is what we need to model and teach in our homes And so when our children fail, we bring them to the cross again and again to show them that not only are they sinners and that there are consequences for their sins, but Jesus came to forgive them of their sins and restore them into a right relationship with our good heavenly Father. And when parents fail, We bring our children to the gospel again and again and show them that that not only are we sinners and that there are consequences for our sins, but Jesus came to forgive us of our sins and restore us into a right relationship with our good heavenly father. And for both of us, restoring that relationship between the parent and the child is so important for our horizontal relationship, but it is of utmost importance for that vertical relationship we have with our good heavenly Father. So in looking at our text, I've summarized gospel parenting as described in Ephesians 6, one through four with these seven words. Earthly fathers modeling our good heavenly Father. And and there are two ways that earthly fathers model our good heavenly father. And the first is described in verses one through three, teaching obedience. This is a command to the children, but it implies the role of the parent because children are born into this world not with a natural bent to obey. We are born into this world wanting our own way, and wanting it now. As we get older and begin to have the maturity to understand the world around us, parents need to begin the process of teaching and expecting obedience. And this is different for each child, but it's usually around the age of one, give or take a couple of months. We learned this early on with our firstborn, Lily, sitting over here this morning, has given me permission to tell this story. We were rescued by Naomi, my wife's mom, who was watching her for a period of time between the ages of about 10 to 13 months. One day with Grandma, Lily pointed her finger in one direction and with her foot reached in the other direction to touch a lamp that she was not allowed to touch. And Lily's mom wisely said, if she's old enough to deceive, she's old enough to obey. That was a rescue for us. We realized we got a a job to do, teaching obedience. So the first reason this command is here is because children don't naturally obey. They need to be told to obey, they need to be held accountable when they don't obey. But the second reason this command is here, and this reason is even more important, it's because parents are representing our good heavenly father to their children in the home. In other words, by learning to obey their parents, Children learn what it means to obey their heavenly father. This is vitally important. It's crucial. It can't be emphasized enough. It's the number one job of parents. It's more important than academics, certainly more important than athletics. Teaching them that the way they have a right relationship with their good heavenly father is the way that they have a right relationship with their earthly parents. And that is the way of obedience. Now we're calling this gospel parenting because certainly children are going to fail just like their parents fail. And so from before the time that children can understand the gospel and who God is as their good heavenly father, parents take opportunities when their children disobey to teach them the gospel. Can you see the change in perspective that can help parents address acts of disobedience? In case you missed it, let me say it again. From before the time, children can understand the gospel and who God is as their heavenly father. Parents take the opportunities when their children disobey to teach them the gospel. Now, before moving on to verse 2, let me park here for one minute longer and address what might be the elephant in the room. Most of you here today are no longer children. I see the Sova kids sitting over here, at least one of them. (laughs) Most of us are a lot older than Owen is. Oh, here comes the other one. Sorry to draw attention. <laughs> that was bad timing on my part. But the question is, when does a child have to stop obeying his parents? Well, the answer to that is difficult. Because it varies culture by culture, almost child by child sometimes, situation by situation Paul clearly uses the word children here. So we're talking about a a specific category of people. The Bible doesn't define for us when kids are, are old enough to stop obeying. So I'm not going to answer that question for us this morning either, other than to say that if that question is being asked in the home, then there are some bigger underlying issues that have not been addressed properly earlier on. What I will say is this. I do see a difference between Ephesians 6.1 and Ephesians 6.2 in the sense that 6.1 applies to children in the home, however that is defined, whereas the command of 6.2 never goes away. Without doing a deep dive into all of these passages, I'm just going to put them up on the screen for you to look at for a minute. You can take a screenshot with your phones if you want to look at them more later. But these demonstrate that the Bible is clear when it says that honoring parents doesn't end at a certain age. I hope it's clear to all of us that this command never goes away. And certainly what honor looks like is gonna vary case by case as well, person by person, culture by culture, scenario by scenario. But there are some basic principles that transcend all of these differences and apply to each one of us in our particular situations. Loving, caring, providing. These and other aspects are all what it means to honor our parents. And and like teaching and expecting obedience, this begins before the child is able to comprehend what any of this means. And kids grow into that understanding through maturity. So the two reasons why it's necessary to teach children to obey and honor their parents is that first of all, we are all born into this world with a bent towards disobedience, not toward obedience. And secondly and more importantly, this is the means by which God has ordained for children to learn how to obey Him as their good Heavenly Father. Now, Paul concludes his instructions to children by going back to the very first time these instructions were given by Moses, back in Deuteronomy, what Pastor Doug read for us this morning, and referencing the twofold promise that accompanied this command that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now that promise meant something different to the people that Moses was talking to than it meant to the children Paul was writing to and even our children today. When Moses gave this command along with the other commands, the covenant that God accompanied these commands with was this, if you obey I'm going to bless you spiritually and materially out of your minds. But if you disobey, the opposite's going to happen. I'm going to curse you. Take away all those material and most importantly, spiritual blessings. Now we know from the gospel that Christ took our curse upon him upon himself on the cross. And we who are in Christ have all the spiritual blessings that Christ has. So this promise means something different to us today than it meant to them. The promise was for the people of Israel under the covenant of Moses. We are living today under the new covenant of Jesus. And what was a promise for them becomes a general principle For us today, generally speaking, all things being equal, when children obey and honor their parents, things go better for them than when they don't. Somewhere along the age of 10, 11, or 12 years old, I began to rebel against my parents. I don't know why. I don't know what what I've speculated. I've thought about this, what it could have been. But I acted out in disobedience and disrespect until I was... 18 years old, in my freshman year of college, I repented of my sin and began by the grace of God to follow Jesus Christ as I had done since I'd made a profession of faith before that at age four. A few years ago, I was having a conversation with my younger brother, two years younger than me, and he profoundly said that he observed my behavior as his older brother and the outcomes of that behavior, and the choices I was making. And he determined not to follow my pattern. That, my friends, is a very wise choice for a young child to make. The King James Version put Proverbs 13, 15 this way. The way of the transgressor is hard. Doesn't get much simpler than that. That's pretty succinct. So children in the room today, honor and obey your parents. It will go better for you and for them. Parents, teach your children to obey and honor you so that they can learn what it means to obey and honor their good heavenly father. Now, the second aspect of gospel parenting is this. Showing love. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You say, Pastor Tim, these verses don't say anything about love in them. Where do you get showing love? Well, I get it from what Jesus said in John 15, 9 through 11. As a father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. The first half and the second half of Ephesians 6:4 are, are reflections of the kind of love Jesus was talking about. Negatively speaking, Jesus' kind of love doesn't provoke one's children to anger. Positively, Jesus' kind of love shines when fathers bring their children up in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. So let's look at the negative instruction first. Don't provoke your children to anger. What we have in this section, beginning at the end of chapter 5 and going a little bit farther here in chapter 6, are some household instructions that the Apostle Paul is giving to the church for how they are to live out their roles as Christians, as he has already described what a new life in Christ is all about earlier in the book. So going back to the end of chapter 4, and the beginning of of chapter 5, for example, we read these general instructions to believers. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are steeled for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, from these verses, we can clearly see that some of the main ways that fathers and mothers, for that matter, keep from provoking their children to anger is to don't deceive children. Tell them the truth. Don't even do this for humor. Kids can't understand it. In in our home, we call these lie jokes. Don't sin by lingering in anger. Work hard and be generous and let your kids see this. Use encouraging, uplifting words and tone rather than discouraging and despairing words. Don't say things like, you idiot. How stupid are you? Never be bitter, wrathful, angry, Obnoxious or ill-willed ever. Instead, be kind, tender-hearted and forgiving, as God in Christ forgave us. It may take God as His beloved children, live a life characterized by love and complete selflessness. Now let me share two thoughts from this list. First of all, for all of us here today, parents and non-parents alike. This is a list that's descriptive of our good heavenly father. Even if you had the best earthly father, whoever lived on this planet, he didn't come close to measuring up to this list. Which brings me to my second point. And this too applies to all of us, in all of our relationships. Because this isn't just how fathers keep provoking their children to anger, but it's how we live and model God, our good Heavenly Father, in all our relationships. When we fail in this, and we will, we go to the gospel where we find forgiveness and restoration. For fathers, this means that we need to own our own shortcomings to our kids as we become aware of them, and as they become aware of them. I was recently listening to a podcast and on that podcast, talking about parenting, Barnabas Piper said, our honesty needs to outpace their awareness while not crushing them beyond their maturity. Somewhere around the age of six, seven, or eight, our dad's superhero capes begin to fray and disintegrate. Before that, in a healthy family environment, dads are their kids' heroes. But as they get older, they begin to see that we don't walk on water. We make mistakes, sometimes colossal mistakes. We sin. They even see us losing it sometimes. And so they also need to see that when this happens, we confess it. We forsake it. We seek out forgiveness. In other words, we model the gospel effect with an E when we fail to model the gospel effect with an A. Now that we see how not to provoke our children to anger, let's look at how we bring them up in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. On that same podcast, I heard Ted Kluck say, When well-meaning parents decide they need to get serious about biblical parenting, it often devolves into a whole bunch of law. We need to read the Bible with our children, so we're going to do it at 8 p.m. every night, regardless of whatever is happening, whoever is throwing up, who's ever overtired, whatever. It's 8 o'clock. It's time to read the Bible. On the other hand, too little structure means that we never get around to having meaningful times in the Bible with our children. And we tend to swing from one end to the other in this parenting pendulum, never quite finding a healthy spiritual balance. And that's where I think the words, once again, that Pastor Doug read this morning, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, are helpful. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign in your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Our walk with the Lord in front of our kids and our instruction and discipline of our kids in the Lord is a 24-7 way of life. Like Paul instructed in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. This is what it means to bring our children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is what it means for all of us to live as God's beloved children, like Paul instructed in chapter five and verse one. We have a good, good heavenly father, more than even that five-year-old boy who looks up to his daddy and thinks he can do anything that he wants to. As God's children, our heavenly father is worthy of our devotion, our praise, our obedience. Like that same five-year-old boy will drop his toys and run into his daddy's arms when his daddy comes home at the end of a day of work. As God's children, our good heavenly father wants us to value him above all the blessings that he has showered down upon us. My goal this morning has been to magnify our good, heavenly Father. In the quietness of where you are sitting right now, let me encourage you to take a few moments to prayerfully worship him by praising him for who he is, thanking him for what he has done, confessing any sin that has come between you, and receiving again his grace and mercy and forgiveness. People are sending cards and buying gifts this Father's Day. Why don't we take some time to creatively express our praise, worship, and appreciation to our good Heavenly Father. Children, your good Heavenly Father has basically given you just one command to obey. Obey and honor your parents. Well, sure, there are teachers, coaches, pastors, maybe even bosses in your lives. But while you are a child, whatever that means, however that's defined in the home, all of these people are extensions of your parents' authority in your life. And your parents' authority is a representation here on this earth of ultimately God's authority in their life and yours. By learning to obey and honor your parents, you are learning to do the same with God. Fathers and mothers as well, we have a tough job. Raising kids isn't easy. And the world we live in only makes it more difficult. But we have the encouragement of Scripture, the power of the Holy Spirit, the example of our good Heavenly Father, not to mention the forgiveness of the gospel for when we inevitably blow it. And you have the fellowship of the saints here at South Church. At that point, let me make two last comments and we'll be done. Lord willing, in the fall, my wife Naomi and I are planning on starting a series of parenting seminars, meeting about once a month. These will be opportunities to fellowship with other parents, discuss what gospel parenting is, challenged and encouraged in our roles as moms and dads please watch the bulletins and slides for more information or or see me or my wife number two whether you participate in the gospel parenting seminars or not let me encourage you to learn more about your role being a good parent by reading some good books and we have a lot of them in our library Their librarian, David Anderson, over here can, or whoever is in there can direct you to some of the best. I also encourage you, look for role models. People who are farther down the road in their parenting than you are, that you observe are practicing gospel parenting. Use them as an example. Children of the heavenly Father, safely in his bosom gather. Nestling bird nor star in heaven, such a refuge air was given. God his own doth tend and nourish. In his holy courts they flourish. From all evil things he spares them. In his mighty arms he bears them. Neither life nor death shall ever from the Lord his children sever. Unto them his grace he showeth, and their sorrows all he knoweth. Though he giveth or he taketh, God his children ne'er forsaketh. His the loving purpose solely to preserve them pure and holy. Heavenly Fathers, we come to you this morning. You are our good, good Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray that our understanding of who you are will have increased this morning, even as we are reminded of who you are once again. And Lord, whether we are children or parents or in not either of those two roles, may we find in you and in your love for us all that we are looking for in everything else here in in this world. May you be enough for us as we find our identity in you. And I pray, Lord, if there is someone here today who has no idea what we've been talking about but is intrigued by it, how this God can be our good heavenly father, I pray that they would not leave this place here today or, or that if they're watching on the live stream, they reach out to someone here so they can learn what it means to have that kind of relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.